Going, everybody. Joe Gagney here, along with me. This is the Justin Shapiro Show for date, month, year, and we're here under special circumstances, sad circumstances, I would say, celebrating the life and times of the former WWE diva Emma, who has been released minutes ago, and going to talk about all our favorite Emerys. Get it? And really, kind of very disappointing for her has to be. Something of a setback, you know, it's just a bizarre story, kind of a frustrating story, and who better than one of the all-time Emma advocates, Emma advocates, is a big-time Emma fan, Joe Gagne, here, talking Emma 24-7, or the duration of how long we go. Joe, how are you? I'm fine, what a week. Oh, what a series of minutes <laughs> for us uh, emissaries to get that news. It's just a strange, strange story, and I can you envision what WWE TV is going to be like without Emma now? I don't know if I can. I don't know. I'm just worried about what her ultimate fate will be. I know, it seems hypocritical. It seems like we don't know everything there is to know, and yet it just bums me out. But uh, recently, you made a list of uh, the Gagney 500. A <laughs> terrible idea. I will never repeat. <laughs> Well, I asked you for, I think, a little bit of a better one, which was to make a top 500 Emma moments Mm. list, which we're going to go number by number here. Let me just bring it up. I will uh, go to Observer first to see if anything... Son of a bitch. What? I'll read it to you. www.f4wonline.com slash more slash more hyphen top hyphen stories slash 96 slash WWE slash 37779 slash Emma slash rehired. The WWE made a decision to rehire to Emma Dashwood after letting her go earlier today. Really? After all that's gone down? That's curious. Hmm. I mean, it's good news. I don't know what we're going to talk about Uh-oh. now. Uh, well, you know. Just so you know. Let me hang on. Let me just uh, the list you gave me of top 500 Emma matches can get crumpled up here because we don't have a show now. All right, I will. Uh, should I upload this anyway? Or well, just so you know, I I was at Money in the Bank this last Sunday. I don't know if you want to talk about that. The Money in the Bank pay per view. That's the one for the Money in the Bank briefcase. That's the one in a Money in the Bank ladder match. Mm-hmm. And Let me pull a Russo and throw out the format sheet here. <laughs> bro, let me tell you. <laughs> bro, let me tell you, you about give this. Give me a desk bang. I, mean, I know, I emphasize my point. <laughs> anyway. It would be a big favor to me to keep my taping schedule afloat if you... Can you feel like an hour and 15 minutes about the instead of the Emma stuff? Like, I know this is a curveball, but... I think, uh, I think we can pull that off. I don't want you to break from your uh, routine schedule here. Um. Well, this. All right. Let me see here. So I could ask you what it was like to go there, and you could give me some anecdotes, some insights, some obsos. Yeah, as long as obsos mean observation. It means uh, uh, OBGYN <laughs> appointments. I don't know if I believe you. 
I, this is why I don't believe you, though, because you were just at the Survivor Series that's, in November, which is less than 12 months ago. That's right. We, um, maybe they realized Survivor Series was not a good show and decided to reward us with what was traditionally one of the better pay-per-views of the year. In fact, one of my favorite signs was uh, it said Survivor Series sucked. I don't know if that means <laughs> TV or not, but um, it did. You know what I want to discuss first about Money in the Bank? Let me have it. Uh, the fairly ludicrous ad campaign they had with the talking pile of money. No one was I the only one who saw this? Was this a weird fever dream on my part? This is um I don't know, it's like getting Fraggle Rock to hype up the Royal Rumble, you know? It's just it was so silly. Was it the Geico talking anthropomorphic dog <laughs> I don't think so. It was PG gone amok. They have so many mascots Geico does they can spare. I suppose a few. so. A big they uh a big jump from Geico to WWE. Mm. Joe I vaguely think I know what you're talking about, and I'm searching for, but I just put WWE ad money in the bank, and I want to see this stupid, uh, well, maybe smart. He's a dollar bill who achieved sentience. <laughs> and he knew the importance of the briefcase, but I found this untenable. What? <laughs> it's a talking pile of money. Yes, yeah, so with like big googly eyes on top. Naturally. And. He's boy, and so you were still willing to buy tickets after that. <laughs> I had gotten these, uh, I believe, before um, before the ad campaign came out. Because hey, Money in the Bank, one of the premier events of the uh, World Wrestling Entertainment. I would say the best track record of any, more so than Wrestling Mania, even. Uh, I would agree. In fact, I had tried to come up with, um, for lack of a better term, uh, WWE bucket list of things you should events you should see live and, uh, mm-hmm. I came up with uh, of course Wrestlemania, Royal Rumble SummerSlam, Survivor Series if you were born before 1990 <laughs> uh, probably a show in Madison Square Garden, uh, Raw taping Smackdown taping and your run of the mill house show and I guess would you include Money in the Bank in that? Given its, uh, its success and uh, importance? I think the 2011 show really like affirmed that brand as a really cool thing, but every year, super quality pay-per-view combined with the fact that unlike almost any other pay-per-view they put on, you're guaranteed that something consequential is going to happen because Damien Sandow's notwithstanding, you usually see, you come out of it and say, oh, this guy's going to win the world title at some point. And especially when that's uh, someone who hasn't done that before, that's very uplifting mm-hmm. coming out of the show. So for sure, of all the uh, the uh, gimmicked shows they started in 2009, it seems like Money in the Bank is the only one that's really worthwhile. I think TLC could easily have stayed Armageddon and no one would care. Yeah, I guess Elimination Chamber, I think you could maybe argue that's not the best place for those matches, unless... Its only purpose is to give the February show some kind of hook. I would agree with that. But you did it. You made it there. I did. Where were your expectations? Let's go uh, in a timeline. Right. When they announced that this date was going to be at the TD Garden, did they say that after Survivor Series or around then? No, I think it was... um, I don't remember, but it was after Survivor Series. Okay. Because fall was a very frustrating time, and then January, February started to... Uh, the the sun broke a little bit, and I would think maybe you bought tickets around then. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then, 
what what was more of a setback for your enjoyment going to this show? The FERPs when they booked a Daniel Bryan versus Kane world title match or when they pulled Daniel Bryan off the show? Uh, it was humorous to me because I had uh, I had laughed at it. I, I had said, like, post on Twitter, you know, Chicago is getting Kane versus Daniel Bryan. And I forget, I, like, I hope that's the end of it. I don't have to see it in Boston. And then, of course, uh, Daniel Bryan was injured and, and Payback was, a, was that the one in Chicago. The last one was a, a very good show. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to be stuck with D. Bryan Kane and the Demon the Kane. The Demon Kane, my apologies. And, uh, nonsense and when i don't think you sealed your own fate because when they booked this match you were two pay-per-views away from the first daniel bryan kane match so you seem pretty safe mm. and then they had to book a second match because batista wasn't feeling it yep. <laughs> and then they had to postpone that match by uh, a show because daniel got hurt and so there it was it was uh, some monkey's paw stuff, a Twilight Zone ending for you to come back to get that. <laughs> I guess. And I also, I was curious how they were going to handle, given there was only one world title, how they would handle the ladder matches. Would there be just one and who would be in it? And uh, that ended up not being a problem. So we'll have to see what happens uh, the next year. Yeah, this seemed like uh, part of the reason these were such excellent shows is because you got Almost no filler. You got two ladder matches with lots of guys doing lots of stuff. And then they were supplemented by always two world title matches that were almost always good to great. So you had a a pretty loaded card. And then this year, you maintained the two ladder matches, which was sort of an upset based on them getting rid of uh, one world title. Mm -hmm. But then you lost the title matches. So you only had these two things surrounded by lots and lots of stuff. Um, stuff is a word for it. I don't know. I I shouldn't make these kind of summative statements before we talk about what happened, but while a good show, I thought it was maybe the weakest Money in the Bank pay-per-view they've done. Yes, and I mean, it was uh, mostly an enjoyable show. The filler you said they avoided was here in fair, fair abundance. (laughs) But the filler was kept short, and I thought, I mean, it was a thumbs-up show to me. And when you look at past Money in the Banks, like, shows like the, the... punk one in chicago and daniel bryan won the first uh ladder match those are you know one of the greater knights in company history so i mean this admittedly has a lot to live up to and the fact that it didn't i don't think is a a terrible reflection on the show although even something like last year's show was just a a level of uh top to bottom quality that you don't normally get Mm -hmm. where they had the um what was it um Two ladder matches, and then Cena, Mark Henry over delivered. Dolphin Alberto in match, uh, I think, 15 of 45 <laughs> was good as always. And actually, that's a. Oh, it can't be a segue because I was going to segue to the Usos. I forgot there's a pre show interview. Yes. Joe, so you do get to see Daniel Bryan after all under bittersweet circumstances. And it seemed like people were very happy to see him. And they missed him. Did you miss him? I sure didn't. People people went bonkers when he came out and doing the yes and just just beyond like getting the chance to say yes and thrust their arms skyward. Uh, they did seem to express that they missed Daniel Bryan. They missed him on television as as all good hearted people would. But yes, and uh, he was interrupted by Bo Dallas and uh, Bo made some puns about being a pain in the neck. Told Daniel Bryan to believe. Daniel called him a boner told him to leave, and Bo Dallas did. He's like, okay, bye. 
And um, part of me wonders, and I don't know how tenable this would have been, but for Bo Dallas to maybe attack Daniel Bryan or, you know, just gently lay him out from the back and uh, maybe put a little bit of steam on that character instead of just having him be a somewhat amusing, but clearly someone in the mid card. And, you know, it would give Daniel Bryan a, a match when he returns and give Bo a little bit of steam, perhaps. I think that sort of says something about what you can do physically with Daniel right now, because even the opposite, almost always those segments end with uh, the silly heel getting bumped mm. and thrown out of the ring. Instead, he ended to be verbally checkmated <laughs> and then be played off by Daniel Bryan's yep. music, which was uh, kind of awkward, but Bo is a unique case, I guess, as is the current Bryan situation. Mm. To just be like, well, <laughs> I've asked you to leave, and you will. <laughs> and he did. So he just sort of uh, shuffled away. Yep. And uh, that was your pre-show. Yeah, last year's Money in the Bank pre-show is when the Usos were plucked from obscurity. They had, uh, it doesn't seem that out of the ordinary now that the Usos and the Shield had a tag title match, because I think they went on to wrestle like a dozen times after that. Mm. Uh, but they... Uh, they had a long match. That was the pre-show last year. Got over. And then it, what a year for the Uso family since then. A wedding and a, a successful push in the wrestling company they work for. That's right. They worked the opener against uh, the Wyatt family with, I believe, new new entrance music. And um, there's been like people kicking around already since we're at the halfway point of the year. The tag team of the year. And the Usos have come up, but people made the point that, um, you know, they're always good, but they really don't have that great signature match. I thought this opener was outstanding. I thought people have kind of underselling it. I mean, the crowd was super into it. It went a good amount of time, a lot of near falls, and um, the USOs picked up the win, which I thought was a little surprising, but uh, whatever. I'm sure they'll wrestle a bunch more. Maybe I haven't seen some of their TV matches. Some people had expressed a level of disinterest because these teams have wrestled a lot, but for me, it was uh, I thought it was great. I try not to speak in 100% assured statements to avoid being sig-trapped in the future. (laughs) I will usually hedge my bets or equivocate on things or at least just try to be open-minded and fair. One area where I failed uh, that I'm not happy about is I think at one point on in the Pratt legacy of this show, I said uh, around this time last year, when the Wyatts showed up after all that hype and then they sort of didn't do anything for a while until they got to that Survivor Series show you went to when they finally worked with Brian and Punk. So it was kind of like, uh, you know, and uh, I used the words that Harper and Rowan can't work <laughs> and normally don't say something that uh, emphatic, but I have to think the way they were first brought up and the versus the way they work now, surely do you think they were told to work like crazy people from a cult who were not <laughs> did not know how to wrestle? Because like obviously Luke Harper is good, and Eric Rowan's competence level has like gone up um, exponentially. So do you think they were just told to like scratch and punch and kick people and not work a wrestling match and then at some point probably when they were put in with people who can wrestle they said oh you know what why don't you just be wrestlers that's probably a good point i've liked um luke harper for years going back uh 
to stuff in the independence. And Eric Rowan used to be terrible, and he is actively an actively good big man now. So would probably be a sure candidate for most improved for your Wrestling Observer End of the Year awards, although perhaps not the most sexy candidate. But um, no, I thought this was great. Both teams are great, and uh, yay. I would say this was, yeah, even better than the uh, Usos Shield match from the year before, which was the same thing, long and a lot of time, and got to do some dips and whatever else you call stuff when hot tags go awry and then uh, get cooled off. And it was even better than a uh, the Wyatts versus Brian and Punk match, which I thought was pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. That, was the de facto main event of that show you went Kinda. for. So. That, uh, that match last year against The Shield was so good, I think it evaporated whatever simmering heat uh, Seth Rollins had at that point, I believe was the story. Because <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't sell well enough for Big Show at Mania or something, and they were lingering thoughts. But hey, when you're, when you're that good, uh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But yes, great match and pretty, uh, pretty necessary match considering what you had on this show besides the ladder matches. Mm. So you get to... to Bank, no pun intended, unlike the uh, Daniel Bryan Bo Dallas pun off <laughs> in the opening segment. Yes. A, uh, another good match on this show. Well, I'm happy for you, Joe, that you got to see this good match. The Usos, I think, Samoan Hardy Boys, same thing where uh, they were sort of a, a, a jobber team who s- slowly got over with the audience because they were nice and they had exciting matches. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's. Remember when they just came up kind of cold and they had, I think, a feud with the Hart Dynasty and they just kept hanging around and then, oh, they're, you know, crowds getting into them, put the belts on them, good matches, and here we are. They get a great reaction every time. Yeah, they're, um, when they had that phase as kind of John Cena's buddies working main event six bands, they didn't, it didn't feel out of place. Of course, people like to say so when we say oos. <laughs> Y'all say Oh, but even they're just uh, they're emotionally into those matches. They're they, when when one of the Usos is getting beat up and can't make a tag, the fans really want them to make a tag. It's true. I can vouch for that. And then when they do, they're happy. Uh, and yet, that being said, Harper and Rowan, big time baby faces to a portion of the crowd in this match. Also true. This was a show, as we talked about, depth wise, two women's matches. That's right. If I had researched for things besides uh, Emma, then I could tell you the last time there were two women's matches on one show, but I don't know. <laughs> it was funny. I was, um, as soon as the prior match ended, I ran to get a pretzel because I like to eat pretzels. And uh, I'm in line and I hear the, the, you know, funk is on a roll theme. And I thought, oh my God, Xavier Woods is on the pay-per-view. <laughs> and I'm racking my brain thinking, like, is Rusev going to squash him? But he's already booked. And then uh, I heard the ring announcer announce Naomi. I'm like, ah, yes. I forgot that music has been passed around to many a competitor, including the cat, Ernest Miller, Brodus Clay, Xavier Woods, and now the Naomi and, um, I can't remember her name. Cameron. Thank you. Ariane. Do you think Lamont gets residuals still? For his, I believe he's the singer of that. <laughs> oh, I imagine they worked out a deal for full rights to that. I think you're, I don't think Lamont or what was his OV like Maurice, Maurice in OVW? Yes. Yeah. So he probably did not play hardball when he signed over Perhaps the not. rights of that. I mean, it I was a real, a real Lewin Davis with uh, 
please Mr. Kennedy situation. He said, well, what are they going to do? Bring this back uh, like eight years later and play it all the time? And then two of these people will be on a hit reality show? Unlikely. It was unlikely, but it occurred. Unfortunately, Joe, I don't think the Funkadactyls famed duo and friendship is going to be together that much longer. No, um, Cameron was giving nonplussed looks at uh, ringside the entire time, so... Cameron, I don't know what she expected to happen when she... (laughs) Because they were having a match, and she was just like, why is this happening? (laughs) And yet she's seen so many over the time. Yeah, you would think she would would get the gist. I like that wrestler psychology of how uh, you can do anything behind one of your peers' backs, and unless they see it in real time, they'll never know. Because Cameron was so secretly satisfied when Naomi lost. Mm -hmm. But then she went and hugged her. Girl, bye. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't think I. I think Naomi's a really good athlete, but she's sort of uh, has not. She can do cool high spots for a girl, and the, but hasn't really uh, put it together to have like good wrestling matches. I did like this, uh, not even on the sliding scale of um, women's matches. Although I imagine in say three years, it would be appreciably better. In three, oh, if they yeah, these both two stay on the roster and they rematched, and mm-hmm. given the uh, gaining experience level, I'm sure it would be um, much improved. I wonder if Naomi can just be sent to take a graduate course with Sarah Del Rey because <laughs> it's like that crew seems to really benefit from working with her. Yes, absolutely. You see, uh, who's her with the little magics? That wee little oh, girl, uh, Alexa Bliss. Mm-hmm. And it just, uh, you know, I'm not saying she's extraordinary or anything, but compared to uh, when they would just bring up people to do hair mares and things like that, mm. can see the, the difference that makes. I don't know that, I'm pretty sure I do know, actually, if a uh, women's wrestling revolution is coming to main WWE television, but I think it does not hurt to make them competent and be able to have a match. Never hurts to be competent. This is the standard I aspire to with every episode, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam Rose and Damian Sandow had the next match, according to research. And um, who was Damian Sandow on this show? I already he, forget. Uh, I He's saw been lost the name, in the wake of uh, McMandow. Uh, Paul Revere on the Titan Tron. I thought go. it was Zeb mm-hmm. Coulter coming out for um, some preparation for Jack Swagger, but it was Damian Sandow and yet another. Uh, outfit and he had some uh funny lines saying that um if he knew what boston would turn into he wouldn't have warned anyone of anything and then uh adam rose came out and um yeah and they had a match they had a quick match one of the things uh that was funny about the layout of this show is you had so many cooldown matches mm. that were not used as the cooldown <laughs> that's true and then looking ahead here down it seems like a page and right yep it's uh, the show is, I guess, structured pretty well because the three good matches began, middled, and closed the show. Sure. Um, but not the same psychology with the the popcorn stuff afterwards. Because <clears throat> even it seems like uh, on any other show, Paige and Naomi would be that kind of match. But here, in lieu of anything else to do, they were just like, "Hey, have a regular match. You're a part of this card. Believe in your dreams." <laughs> Before they had booked the um, the B team Money in the Bank 
participants. I kind of hoped that Adam Rose, for no good reason, would be in the ladder match so that he could get tipped off the ladder and be caught by all of his people. <laughs> you know, his um, his little posse there uh, waits by the um, entranceway as the match uh, progresses. And I wonder what happens if Adam Rose loses. Do they just put their heads down and all walk to the back? Do they carry him off martyr style? <laughs> I guess we'll find out someday. Like Muhammad Hassan after the, <laughs> uh, or Davari after the uh, Undertaker angle. Exactly like that. <laughs> That's why I want to know. And Sandow, his Wikipedia claims he won Money in the Bank last year, but I don't see how that could possibly be true. <laughs> it seems quite odd now. That's, I don't, I do get what happens when WWE careers that just start to go nowhere for a long period of time, but. Sandow had that good match with John Cena, and for some reason, this led to his downfall. He had a, a he cashed in on John Cena. They had a dramatic match, the best match Damian Sandow's ever had, with a John Cena in his second match back from a, a few months injury. They're like, "All right, so downward and uh, <laughs> yeah. what's the opposite of onward? <laughs> Backward. Yeah, offward and downward." Yeah, that really that largely killed his career. I don't get it's it. Too bad. He, uh, when I was at the Royal Rumble, he was thrown out first and sat against the barrier for a long time, like contemplating his lot in life. And I thought, oh, they must be starting some kind of angle where Damian Sandow is frustrated. But then when I watched it on. TV, they never shot Damien Sandow looking distraught and leaning against the, uh, the man. So <laughs> you know, I think he just was confused. It's funny as you mentioned that as he as he uh, walked back to the entranceway post-match as, the, as Adam Rose and his crew celebrated in the ring. He just seemed very de- realistically dejected. <laughs> I just got that sense of an innate sadness in him. I, I think it's one thing to be on the WWE treadmill. You know what you're in for. Sometimes people are going to get a magic wand waved over them. And that's, uh, if you're the Usos and you break through with a push from obscurity, what a blessing for you in your life. I think what stings is for a Sandow or especially Ziggler last year. Like, I don't know how Dolph Ziggler didn't just retire after the <laughs> yo-yo act. They pulled yeah. on him emotionally. Um, when you think you had a breakthrough. And I think that's why I really empathize with Barrett when he got hurt, when he's like, so I have to start all over again. I lucked into this thing. It's doing great. And now we'll just uh, go back to, uh, um, it's sort of like shoots and ladders, right? Sometimes you just roll wrong and you go back to the bottom of the board. I played shoots and ladders yesterday. So I, uh, what? I understand that, uh, that reference. Do you think they should, uh, what if they introduce an element of shoots into the ladder matches? <laughs> Just whoever gets it, gets it. Right, yes. You could do a um, non-worked ladder match for real under Brawl Frawl rules because it's shoots and ladders. <laughs> I hope it took a while to get there. The, it did. I hope shoots and ladders is the name of this episode. <laughs> we shall see. In um, Oh, a segue. The Money in the Bank contract match that Seth Rollins won. That's right. The story of the match, possibly the show, possibly the last uh, week or so of TV, is how much Dean Ambrose is catching on. 
one of the uh, talking points is, um, oh, which member of the former Shield will be left behind? And the rankings seem to change. Uh, it's like, oh, Seth Rollins got picked. Sounds like, looks like Dean Ambrose will uh, fall behind, or maybe people won't pick up on Roman Reigns. Or, but um, I, I have no idea what the score is. But Dean Ambrose certainly did himself some favors uh, the show because the crowd was super into him. And what I, I mean, it, I think this help this ladder match i have no idea how to rank money in the bank ladder matches as enjoyable as they largely always are they're hard to separate but this was memorable in the fact it had that story of um ambrose and rollins and for whatever shortcomings a lot of the 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 participants had and the fact that you knew many of them were just had no chance of winning and um it was going to come down to ambrose or or rollins but i thought that storyline really pushed this match uh above your usual Money in the Bank match. I kind of thought the Shield split had been a pretty big waste compared to what you would expect the fallout of the Shield breaking up to be. Mm. Um, I thought there's a lot more you could do with them as a team. Like, putting coming up with uh, people to go against a three-man team would be, I guess, interesting, and they just meant more. There was more you could do with them, and then the the split could have been maybe more impactful because they split up and it almost seemed like they split up so that the shield was split up and then Roman Reigns would go into top programs because Roman Reigns got over it very quickly. I guess he's still mad at Triple H and Randy Orton because he's going to work with them. It's funny to me that Dean is like so resentful of what Rollins did, whereas Roman is like, like, well, I guess we're not the shield anymore. (laughs) Moving on. Yeah, I was very... Uh, let down not just that they split him up so soon, but that they they've emphasized Rollins, but it hadn't really led to that much. And then Dean Ambrose got pissed about it, and his interviews in the lead up to this show, the reaction he got to them, even before this match, it was like coming out of the split, like you said, it was so Reigns had his path cleared to the top, and then Rollins gets focused on as the the big turncoat who's starting a heel push, but of the three of them, Ambrose is the one who's taken off the most, and he was going to be the odd man out. He, um, I don't know if he's Stone Cold Steve Austin, but coming out of this match and the next night, it seems like for sure he's the company and the fans knew CM Punk. Yeah, that that is true. And um, he did a great job, and uh, I don't know, new CM Punk, modern-day Roddy Piper, however you want to frame it, but um, I think his future is quite bright. He gives the very passioned interviews, and they're like idiosyncratic, like Punk. Punk was more, I think, petulant, whereas Ambrose is like comes up with stuff like being in a Mexican prison <laughs> because a guy flipped him off. Um, <laughs> Lunatic fringe. Yeah. And I also thought uh, he should win the briefcase because, like I said, the other two already had something, so then all three of them would get something coming out of it. But it seems like... Rollins holding the briefcase is going to be perfect because Ambrose having the mission to ruin all of his uh, success in life is going to be pretty great. Yep. Uh, one thing I have to say that uh, one of the benefits to being live is kind of the panoramic view you have of these multi-man ladder matches where you're not forced to focus on one thing. And um, one thing I noticed at the end, Zeb Coulter was standing near one of the ring posts and a ref came and just like yanked him out of there. Like, and I'm like, what's that about? Then the ring post exploded and Kane came down. So we almost had like ODB at the MTV uh, 
video music awards when he almost got blown up by pyro and um i think people who are all very poo-poo on the ending was uh i think it's largely because it happened to be kane who did it and kane has ruined everything this year <laughs> and, like triple h just ran down in pedigree dean ambrose i don't think there would have been nearly as much consternation at that finish i'd like to take both your points in order first of all yes it was very cinematic like slow motion dive to save zeb's life tragically though i rewatched that match today and it seems like it's been cut out uh, like they just go from ambrose to the pyro they left in audio where someone shouts zeb but then it goes to dean on the ladder and unless my memory just inserted something much more dramatic I think they cut out the part where a referee went and saved that culture's <laughs> life. I guess because it breaks kayfabe, because, like, how would he know that it was about to That explode? is true. That is a valid point. Um, I forget what the second point was. Uh, oh, yeah, the yeah. ending. I think, um, yeah, I agree. It was the way they've always, uh, for a show with two multi-man ladder matches for a briefcase, um, they've always done, like, one acrobatic stunt show match and then one more storyline match. Um, with, you know, ladder spots, but mostly working like a main event brawl around some ladders. I think it was kind of like, well, leave the main event brawl type layout of a match for that match and let these guys uh, turn upside down and do things like that. However, it played directly into the storyline for both matches where Kane was going to let the authoritative choices win them through unfair means, so... Plus, makes Ambrose bigger, I think, because he would have won. Yep, he got if screwed. Kane hadn't come out. A weird match for um, participant-wise, because like you said, it really was just the two of them having their feud in this ladder match around no one who could have win. I, uh, no one who could win? Yeah, besides them. Uh, I think Bad News Barrett would have been a dark horse, just the only person besides the two of them who could have been picked. But once he was out, it was like... Uh, here are some other people to have a ladder match mm. around the Rollins-Ambrose feud. That being said, I thought Ziggler's... The way they do these matches, too, is now someone runs wild and everyone feeds them. Yep. It'd be like, I'm going to give you my move, and you my move, and you my move. But Ziggler's the way... His came last out of everybody's big flurries, and he just worked it so well. Ziggler kind of has that same... Daniel Bryan sympathy on a smaller level or maybe even a sadder level since it hasn't worked out mm. as well for him. And he uh, channeled that so well into that comeback and uh, the genius spot, even though he did have a second foot that he elected not to use to climb for drama, but it was, uh, it was a, an allegory for Dolph Ziggler's career anyway. And I wish they would do stuff with him, <laughs> but I think I've been saying that on podcasts for a year. Yeah. The fact that Miz came out in a non-Ric Flair's friend role on Monday makes you think maybe there is still time to do the Ric Flair and Dolph Ziggler uh, show-off Nature Boys dad-son team. <laughs> but I don't know if Summer Ray fits into those hangouts or where that's going to It seems go. like Dolph, for at least the time being, is um, will be confined to mixed tags at house shows. But that will end at some point and maybe... You could do a Flair and Son tag team or management team. But yes, Dolph was very, very over when uh, when he came out. And um, were you surprised uh, they didn't add anyone else? I was thinking, oh, I wonder if Christian will come back. But he maybe he'll tear off his uh, shirt at the 
whatever the um, analysis panel, the pre-show panel there. But if a guy's coming back from a concussion, perhaps this would not be the best match to thrust him into. Yeah, if I were Christian or Mark Henry or really anyone, I think these matches, it's kind of funny that Swagger and Ziggler and Kofi have been wrestling each other for all these years. Like, they had their three-way feud for one of the secondary belts in, I think, 2010, and they're still all more or less in the same spot, even though they've had some moments uh, sprinkled in there. To where you get up for, okay, let's have a ladder match and fall off things. Especially for Kofi, who his career trajectory now, he is more or less a TV jobber who gets two moments per year to come up with something really cool to do. So he must live for those moments. <laughs> to be fair, with the if he's uh, perpetually in the Royal Rumble ladder match and the Battle Royal at WrestleMania, he has been upgraded to three moments to shine. Oh, that's right. Although he will never win any of these encounters. <laughs> If I'm Barrett, I don't really mind not being in that match either, because what is he... Like, last year, his moves were to, like, do a bull hammer next to the ladder. So, I don't know what uh, Wade Barrett spots he would have had mm. to contribute. I guess in the one Daniel Bryan one, I think he did the wasteland off the ladder. That sounds maybe he tried right. to. I think the finish was he got Daniel on his shoulders and then was kicked off and fell upon another ladder. Oh, yeah, that was the... Maybe the visual highlight of the show is the backdrop Seth Rollins oh. took onto the perpendicular ladder. Yes. And then, like, three bumps. It was um a physics lesson from that, like, roller coaster design game that people... <laughs> is it, like, Roller Coaster Tycoon? Yes, it is. If you build the wrong kind of roller coaster and it, like, turns inside out and explodes. This was a lesson in that, because... Gravity is negative 9.8 something over somethings. So Seth Rollins had that, and then he hit the ladder, which was knocked out of its place in the rungs, and then that hit the ground, and his body bounced off of that back up into the air. I'm not sure what centrifugal force was, other than it has something to do with merry-go-rounds. <laughs> but So Rollins ends up back, and then goes in the other direction, and hits his head on the upright ladder, and uh, it seems if all that stuff was soft, that would be really fun. But Joe, I ask you, how do you learn to fall off a ladder? If you do... Upside down onto another ladder, and then into the air, and then into that original ladder. If there's a place that teaches that, that would be the advanced course. Given the choice between not falling off or falling off, would you choose the ladder? The ladder? That was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stardust and Gold Dust. The dust bin. <laughs> I love Stardust, Joe. The dust bin. Oh, goodness. We talked for, I think, 25, 45 minutes about the Raw Bowl, but you could have had them in there as the Dust Bowl. <laughs> you were uh, far more into them as than the crowd in Boston was because they were perhaps this was another case of um, overexposure or just knowing the, the oh, result of this particular of this tag match. Yes. Wasn't this just seen on Monday? Finally, the match we've been waiting for. <laughs> the crowd just did not seem into uh, Cody's antics much at all. And I wonder if, um, if Goldust did not kill Dustin Rhodes' career, perhaps it will claim Cody's. Cody just seems to... Um... 
compared to some of his peers from that lost generation we were talking about in that previous match, Ziggler, Swagger, Kofi, what the difference is, like, Cody's career has so many different iterations. Like, it's not hard to come up with the uh, subtitles for the Cody Rhodes Wikipedia, mm. because he was... Um, Rookie Babyface Cody, and then Legacy, and then I think Dashing Cody came next, and then... Phantom of the Opera Cody. Uh-huh. And, and then um, Road Scholars, and then Rhodes Brothers. Wow. And now Stardust. Stardust. God damn. You know, every time I see Ryback uh, in this tag team setting, often losing, I, I can't help but think they really missed out on something. Am I out of my gourd? Even him um, doing his arm gesticulations people remembered feed me more and said it in this match i think it was just like you know when they they did the thing with punk and hell in a cell and you know they made their choice there and then just put them on this year-long losing streak on pay-per-view it's just unfathomable i just think i don't know i just think maybe if they would just kept it up just held off and maybe they could have had something or other i think um creatively though you know how people say, oh, trip- NXT is so good, I wish Triple H could book everything and make it like NXT. I sort of feel the same argument should apply to Cody Rhodes and the JVL and Cole show. Because, like, give him that sandbox. I guess he's one of the people who started bothering and sort of built it up into something out of, uh, I don't even know what it was when it was really a JVL and Cole show. <laughs> so, put Put Cody Rhodes in in charge of Raw. Build the whole plane out of the black box. <laughs> you know, this, this was largely an NXT show that I happened to pay uh, $30 to see. But um, given the amount of... It was like an NXT show from six months ago. It was like, well, we had Bo and Paige and, um, of course, uh, Rusev up next and uh, someone else I'm forgetting. I guess Adam Rose, Rose yes. had his short... Adam yeah. Rose, so... Plus, Bray Wyatt is the statue they should build in front of the performance center (laughs) as far as NXT success stories. Indeed. Um, What I'm saying with Cody, I guess, also applies to Lana in the next match. Uh, Someone I read somewhere (laughs) phrased it interestingly. I think it was when Alicia Fox just went off out of nowhere (laughs) and went crazy on TV. He said... Well, after seeing that, I'm just going to assume that every single employee on the roster has latent Stone Cold Steve Austin level charisma <laughs> that they just don't get to show uh, on Kevin Dunn, Vince McMahon produced TV. And you between JBL and Cole Show and NXT and Lana's Instagram and Bad News Barrett too is an example of that where it's like just let give people some freedom to do a little bit, whereas. Um, that Vince and Kevin Dunn branding ADD is like the crowd sings. He he's got the whole world in his hands. Well, we're gonna build our company around that song for the next four weeks of TV. Mm. At the very least, maybe a NXT personality class or whatever that thing is called, which you have. I think it. Uh, that's the afternoon, and then the morning is your class and how you learn to fall off a ladder. But <laughs> Rusev and Large E. Nay Langston. Um, I presume you weren't expecting to see a pretty good Rusev match on the show with heat and everything. Yeah, I really liked uh, the one last month. And um, this was, I should probably go back and rewatch this. My 
It's getting late in the show, and my mind's wondering, like, oh, did they close that entrance to the Mass Pike? Am I going to find another way home? <laughs> and then, like, oh, he speared him outside the ring again. So, uh... But, yeah, no, this was, um... This was a good Hoss match that, uh... Got some decent time, and they were really tossing each other around, and uh, it was all good stuff. Like, do you think these matches are helping Biggie? I mean, we look at this and being like, "Wow, these are really good, entertaining matches." Does your average fan see Biggie standing up for America and failing and giving up? Uh, this match, yes. Every other thing they've done, not really. People, fans, I guess, don't naturally put him in the category of. Um, start stop pushes i think because they're like well he's strong they love him he's all right but yeah they did uh he's really going nowhere for a guy who's john cena's pal and had something of a push uh, last year that being said his pay-per-view matches that he keeps getting the one with swagger in february the one with wade and this one combination of two burly guys that they work a good match. It's uh, even this one, which was probably the most impressive of all. Although maybe this one had the handicap of Russo, Russo, <laughs> Rusev's untouchability Bro. up until this point. <laughs> but uh, they they just they clobber all three of those matches. The two guys clobber each other at a good pace, and it all builds to that spear through the rope spot, and the crowd goes nuts every time. Indeed. Just out of curiosity. Joe, who would you say on this card was uh, the most over among the Boston fans? Just a, a an arbitrary list of people. The Boston fan base, who did they like the most out of Big E, Kofi Kingston, Naomi, Cameron, and Dean Ambrose on this show? Uh, I would say Dean Ambrose. Hmm. Layla and Summer Rae was the next match, according to this list I have of the matches that happened on the show. And here's your popcorn match, which was your pre-popcorn <laughs> our, match to cool people down. It was our third one of the night. I uh, I would put Summer Rae in that list of people uh, with, like, secretly... Well, I put both of them, Summer and Fandango. I think they missed the boat bad on the Fandango and Summer Act. And that's a hill I'll die on because no one seems to care, but they're so <laughs> wonderful together. Yeah, I think uh, I will die with you on that hill. I think they had put like the Intercontinental title on Fandango after WrestleMania last year, kept it on them for an inordinate amount of time. They could have had a new Honky Talk Man situation. If you remember, he was, and why would you? He was going to be in that June pay per view three way with Miz and Wade Barrett where Curtis Axel won the Intercontinental title, which tells me we could have just had that. Now, granted, I'm pretty sure if Fandango had won the Intercontinental title, he would have lost just as much and would probably be in the same place, but at least we can pretend. Sure. I just think breaking them up is a shame, too, because that act, if you saw them on the WrestleMania Today panel, just, I don't know why they care so much, but they really get the characters of Fandango, who is a narcissist creep, who's good at dancing, and then Summer Ray, also good at dancing, um, is Allison Brie, the the winsome actress from Community, uh, is also on um, American movie classics Madman. Do you know Madman? <laughs> I think I've heard of it. 
so she um, is Pete Campbell's wife on Mad Men, and she said that the direction that Matthew Weiner uh, <laughs> gives me is he just says, Trudy loves Pete. And that's how I feel about the lost Summer Ray character is that for whatever reason, Summer loves Fandango and is so dedicated to him. And it, it really hurts me to see the fact that that's not going to stay together. Indeed. A better world, I think we can all agree. Final subject on the F- Summer Ray Fandango issue. This should be a bigger story. Uh, did you see it on main event, or at least hear about when Summer Ray called Layla, and I quote, a catty little twat? <laughs> I've heard of this, yes. Although when they replay it, it's not what I, not what you hear. Yeah, it's so... Uh, how did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. Was I guess main there. event is live to tape, or live to live on the network now, mm. I suppose. And you don't even need to do a pre-tape on an interview because I guess it's probably just just say it, say this stuff. How how hard could it be to say this stuff? <laughs> Maybe she misspoke at the same time. Speaking of uh, Alexander Russo, some of the like kitty litter and milk bath stuff seems like this has been beamed out of uh, uh, an ivory Tory with one R angle from 1999. And the catty little twat part just compounds that. Would uh, Alexander Russo call everyone broski? <laughs> uh, so, and now when I, I will, I will edit it the way they did. So when you hear me say catty little twat, I'll put in the cat when I said catty and loop it in to when I said catty little cat and you'll hear how awkward it is to have the cat from Caddy put in for Caddy Little Twat, and we'll test my editing abilities. All right. This is my internship under Kevin Dunn. will pay off. Caddy Little Twat. Caddy Little Cat. I think I'll never say that word ever again, and I do not just mean on podcasts, but here I said it about a dozen times, so what a weird word. Indeed. I also like that she uses that soft A on twat some people use it like uh you know the vowel squash or quadricep that is the the a sound in twat joe any thoughts on pronunciation i'm all set also we should mention uh brie bella borrowing tyler breeze's phone and allowing everyone to see on the titantron what she was <laughs> broadcasting that was uh it reminds me of those <laughs> Uh, commercials with the puppets. No wires. <laughs> well, maybe if Bree had like turned on the WWE app, <laughs> it would have showed that. Although I guess that would have caused one of those uh, um, uh, MC Escher like cascading <laughs> things. Or would have been this, this, no, 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 inward forever. She would have had to go but, to Hulu, wouldn't she? Because oh podcast. yeah, yep, you're right. If she would have turned on the network. I guess it would have been the second screen experience, which she is the boss of. <laughs> yeah, she knows. <laughs> Get ready. Uh, <laughs> that's. Uh, do you remember, speaking of Alexander Russo, he had Billy Kidman's kid cam, <laughs> which was also a handheld camera, not plugged into anything that could show footage in real time. Indeed. Huh. That technology, which exists only in backstage or wrestling venues. I wonder if WCW went bankrupt. 
<laughs> yeah, that all this money in this technology. I think wireless uh, broadband streaming of uh, one-to-one video in quality as I guess standard definition of the time. Still pretty impressive to get that up in real time. Indeed. From Billy Kidman's handheld camera as he went on uh, heelish, filthy animal adventures. Um, I guess the only other thing I'd ask you about Alexander Russo is whether you think he took... Ugh. Do you think he took Crush TV too far, or... God. What? <laughs> you know, Crush TV. Oh, Because he's, he's Russo. Oh. <sighs> Joe? Yes. Don't answer that. I'm not gonna. John Cena! <laughs> Odds successfully overcome. Congratulations to him. Indeed, he got the golden coat hanger. <laughs> um, won the money in the bank title match? or what, I forget the phraseology they had mm. to use now. The money in the bank championship match or something like that. I think... Um, you tell me how you feel, but Cena winning the title... If we weren't clued in that he's been, you know, he's just here to get punched by a really <laughs> dangerous man, it would have been very frustrating that they took a match like this, which could have been like a breakthrough coronation type thing for at least three people in that match and then had John Cena win. But we more or less know why this happened, and so what are you going to do? Yes, because when you get to the fact that the winner would have to face Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, it did narrow down the choices considerably. Of course, why that had to happen, I don't know, but apparently it was just set in stone. This had to happen. It's going to happen. But, um, yes, it was funny. The crowd who booed the idea of John Cena winning vociferously uh, the pre-show was uh, quite happy when he won. So, I don't know. I thought this match wasn't nearly as good as the first one. It didn't have the the insanity. It... um. They got pretty good by the end. I don't know what that contraption they did earlier where they just tilted the ladder sideways and then nothing really became of it. They just put it back at, at some point. The Inception spot. Yes, it was, that was peculiar to me. But it was, it was still enjoyable, but not, um, not to the level of the previous one. Um, it's hard to have a bad one of these. Mm. I knew when they had the seven and eventually eight guys, it really stood out to me. They did not put a single flippity person in there True. And that seems like you're unnecessarily handicapping yourself to have a match like this when all anyone can do is come in and hit a move and then maybe get pulled off a ladder or hit a move off of a ladder or hit a move onto a ladder uh without creating movement as we say hmm. who would you have put in though i suppose had Ziggler been in this match like when he failed to qualify against Del Rio, he would have stood out as out of place mm. big time. It seems like Alberto was out of place too, considering where he's gone since uh, you saw him lose to John Cena at the Survivor Series. Indeed. More or less packed up shop after <laughs> yeah, that. That's actually true. He might... Who goes first? Him or Rey Mysterio? <laughs> um, they... they still god bless them have very creative agenting i assume like laying out two of these matches for one show must be the second most complicated endeavor of the year behind the royal rumble mm. laying that whole thing out but 
when you have Reigns and Cesaro and Cena, and to an extent Sheamus in this match, and the Demon Kane who has to be established as the Demon Kane, who's very strong and beating people up, how many different unique strong guy spots can you come up with for mm. them to cycle between? And thankfully, there was none of the one person tears down uh, one belt apiece, leading to another sort of split, which was something of a worst-case scenario here, which did not come to fruition. I guess that's going to be a prediction for every ladder match for the belt from now on, because they said the same thing in December. Mm. But maybe they'll get, like, the network belt that will just be <laughs> that play logo with straps behind it. Assuming, yes, they go to uh, one belt at some point, which... I imagine would happen, but I don't know. The one prediction that we got on like five straight shows that has thankfully died off has been, well, what if they just have a match and then Triple H pins both guys at the end? <laughs> Which you don't, you heard on like every show before WrestleMania mm. and not so much anymore. True. Yeah, I, get, I could have asked you this before. I've seen a Helena Cell match between Batista and Hunter. That's not that like different a perspective for those spectacle matches because mm-hmm. it's just like hey a big fence let me look through them fence holes <laughs> the latter stuff with so many moving parts do you ever like start paying more attention to setting stuff up is it more a, a different perspective since the done production is so good at hiding people in like the negative zone under the apron and off camera. I believe the, the segment they had when one person would climb, another person would come in from outside the ring, yank them down, replace them and repeat. You certainly notice when people were stirring, I believe they focused on close-ups at that point on who was climbing the ladder. So it'd be more of a surprise like, Oh, so-and-so's in the ring, Mm -hmm. but you would notice them see it coming that panoramic view. Pretty telegraphed. Yes, but not, not. I mean, certainly not to a... I mean, what are you going to do? People have to get up off the floor. Right? Yes. It, no real middle ground. You can either just lie there. Eight guys, I might say. A lot of the money in the banks have been eight guys. Probably the majority of them were eight guys. Mm. But these eight guys, who are all large guys and can only do a finite amount of spots in a ladder match... Maybe too many guys. Hence, a guy like Cesaro getting lost in the shuffle, sort of. Yeah. I don't remember him. I don't remember much he did other than hanging on the Inception spot. I don't remember Bray doing much at all. Mm-hmm. He just did some of his like signature moves near and around ladders. Yeah, and I don't know where Luke and Eric were. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. I would have been like, hey, what's keeping you? You basically worked an entire Last Man Standing match with me last month. True. Were they dejected after their loss? Uh, oh, that could be. Or they bad. went back to... Uh, to record new music, maybe. It's not working. <laughs> I don't know. I think they got some of that uh, early 90s Alice in Chains. Uh. <laughs> That's um, Cesaro and Rollins and Ambrose and the Wyatts after the light motif that starts it. Is that all the same song? Could not tell mm, you otherwise. Yeah, I'm still working through the new themes for everyone. Uh, their Titantrons are fairly limited because it's them and they're new, especially for Rollins and uh, Ambrose. You can only focus on them and their new gear. Mm-hmm. Oh, what is Ambrose Titantron? Is it that double take he did when Rollins uh, hit Reigns with the chair over and over and over and over Basically, again? Basically, yeah. That was about <laughs> it. Hmm. I will say uh, Randy Orton got busted open. And um, the post-match, it was Triple H and Stephanie being dejected. John Cena won because, I don't know. Didn't, <laughs> sure, why not? 
And uh, it was only second best for business. Yes, and Randy was on the apron getting checked out. Triple H went over, kind of checked him out, gave him a pat on the shoulder, like, ah, good try. It kind of sulked to the back. So, Well, what do you think of Roman Reigns? going? Because it seems like his trajectory is pretty laid out now, and if he's not going to beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, he's going to beat somebody. Possibly John Cena, if they're willing to let John Cena play like torch passing guy who's going to get booed anyway but seems probably brock lesnar it would seem brock wins the belt i guess at SummerSlam. reigns wins the rumble and then you have the big showdown with reigns going over seems a trajectory seems it'll work i still don't know why they felt the need to break the shield up even if they were intent on pushing reigns as a single star i don't know why that was they were mutually exclusive he couldn't be buddies with these guys and have six man tags on raw it just seemed like... Yeah, they could all have careers and try to do things. Yeah, and, you know, it, I don't know. It just seemed, when you had something as good as the Shield was, to just kind of... I don't, I don't think they had a good reason to walk away from it. And Rollins, because his work is so good, and he's in the heel group, is going to continue to be all right. Ambrose, obviously, is flourishing. Mm-hmm. I think it's like... Crowd hasn't the crowd's still behind Roman Reigns. They like him, but Reigns by himself just being a, an ascendant babyface doesn't seem like as much of a shining star as he did when he was doing hot tags and being in a cool group of three guys. So, how do you do the rankings right now of who is the best post Shield career thus far? I think they're all going to be successful. So. It's not that big a problem, but he's going to have the most protection, so I guess that's also not a problem. Mm. As far as compellingness, though, I don't... Well, what do you think? I I guess Roman Reigns has an anointed push in front of him. Do you see him laid all the line on Justin Shapiro? (laughs) Say something bold and dumb like the Whites can't work (laughs) that people aren't able to hold you to. Is Roman Reigns the next... Yeah, I'll put it like this. Is Roman Reigns the next John Cena, the next Randy Orton, or the next Batista? I will say Batista, in which he will star in a Marvel Comics edit. He'll <laughs> <laughs> no. be green. Because <laughs> John Cena, aside from the people who can't stand him, the franchise of the company for a decade plus. Randy Orton pushed a lot, pushed heavily, and I'm not sure he ever lived up to his blue-chip expectations. And then Batista, definite period of stardom, but not like the historical figure that John Cena became. Yeah, so, I think probably Batista, his ceiling may be Randy Orton. I don't think he's going to be the next John Cena. I mean, who who the hell knows? Yes, um, I didn't know that Daniel Bryan was going to become the central figure in the company. <laughs> nor that CM Punk was for a time before that. So I'm not going to say that Roman Reigns is not going to like tap into you, like a, a level of confidence and speaking ability that takes him to in, to another level. But, oh well. Cause I, I did, it was not a good sign on the penultimate Vicky Guerrero Raw when Roman Reigns did his... Uh, um, sneaky guy, mm. just a bit basic, generic WWE Mad Libs storyline for a top babyface where they uh, do shenanigans because they're a real rascal. And that's 
I don't think that's what Roman Reigns is. I hope that's not. He's not just going to become the same kind of rare rabbit weirdo. <laughs> I mean, two of the key components of being a top guy are working long singles matches and long promos, and he's largely improved in both. So he may he may excel. He may not excel. I don't know. I wish him well. I do. I hope he does awesome, but uh, the jury is out. You don't really see history repeat itself, but there is the same, like we know how Vince McMahon thinks sometimes in his mindset on certain things. You've seen historical things play out like Brett and Luger, like Daniel Bryan and Batista, like CM Punk and not pushing CM Punk really hard. <laughs> I don't even know who was kind of Miz, Alberto Del Rio, people like that at the time. Sheamus. When um, eventually the fans win. I think the fans, though, are into Roman Reigns and as being as part of the S.H.I.E.L.D. group that they sort of made one of their own as part of this new wave of uh, hardcore fandom taking over the shows. Even going back to the Royal Rumble I was at, even though he was like the protest vote. So I just wonder, the more they get behind him, does this current audience just have it in them to be oppositional defiant like a kid in daycare who says, I'm just going to, I'm never going to go along with what you want and we're going to dig our heels in. And whether it's Dean Ambrose or whether it's Daniel Bryan, when he comes back, we will, we're still going to try and be (laughs) hashtag hijack raw about whatever (laughs) you want to do. I think he's got enough goodwill that won't be an issue, I think, slash hope. But the future is unwritten, as they say. Boy, no fate but what we make. Sure. All right. Well, you were there. How was traffic on the way home? Uh, was that thing closed? No, it, it reopened since Survivor Series, so I had minimal trouble getting home. And so when's the next pay-per-view in Boston? Like three months from now? <laughs> no, they advertised a house show in September. On a Sunday, which uh, everyone knows. I'll have to check the the NFL schedule. But I doubt I'll attend that. This was a story coming out of, you know, the the grand passion play that was the Royal Rumble. But after the Royal Rumble played out, everyone knows what happened there and what people felt about that. Mm. So as everyone's leaving the building, they're handing out at the door advertisements for the next uh, WWE in Pittsburgh, which was a... SmackDown taping on uh, the 24th, which was the last TV before the show you went to. And on the placards they handed out was Daniel Bryan's beard. (laughs) The whole image was him Uh. with the text written on the beard. So people got that and just like shook their heads. Um, But good things were to come after that. But unfortunately, the, the emotional reunion between Daniel Bryan and the people, I dare say, Joe, who saved changed and fixed everything single-handedly was not to be Mm, unfortunately anyway short story long i didn't go to that because i just didn't see the point yeah do you regret that decision well i could have seen wade barrett recreate the lillian garcia crisis (laughs) aside from that it doesn't seem like i missed that much all right i'll let you plug your two new projects before we go to you know all the people who exclusively listen to this would never see them (laughs) One is, uh, let me introduce a little segment on this show we like to call Pod on Pod. (laughs) 
where this podcast will talk about your thoughts on other podcasts. You listen to them all, Joe. I sure do. Much to my own consternation, yes, I type up, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Podmass column on the Onion AV Club website, where they summarize the week in mostly comedy podcasts, but some other ones as well. I decided to tackle the same for um, the glut of wrestling podcasts right now, mainly the ones with uh, famous hosts on them, wrestlers, JR, what have you, and uh, post it on the uh, F4W board for your edification. I rank things in a uh, thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, and thumbs down scenario. So you know what to listen to. Find the hidden gem, which will not be Roddy Piper's podcast. That's, um, I mean, I sort of dress it up to get you on board, but uh, now I have to admit to you, Joe, this is an intervention. Oh, man. I feel like you need to call this list down to maybe three or four. How is it? Is it like a, a, a work diversion or. Are you just addicted? My secret is is I use the Downcast app, which lets you listen at one and a half times speed. Mm. So if a podcast is, say, an hour and a half, it takes only an hour to listen to. One point Let's just say... I don't think that math is right. It is. <laughs> Begin to wonder if it affects my speech patterns, just hearing people talk in a rapid fashion most of my day. When you go back and listen to this show, as I'm sure you will... Uh, mm-hmm. Let's do the rest of it in one and a half speed, so you can get through it even faster. This is me at one and a half speed, and I'll just uh, continue to ask you the question because you can still make out every word, right? It's just a little bit faster, a little bit faster, but still vaguely human sounding. Vaguely human sounding. Vaguely human sounding. But you, do you ever go up to what is the next one? Two. Do, at what? At what? Two. At what fast. number does it turn chip monkey? Uh, about two. Okay, so one and a half. It's like these people are talking. You can still make out the entire conversation, the entire back and forth. You know what's going on. It's just one and a half. Exactly. Making up a little bit of time. Okay, I can't, I would die if yeah. I kept trying to do the one and a half speed for you. I'm trying to help, though. Do, ethically, as the, the Podmass um, impresario, do you listen to everything, or do you make judicious use of uh, the 15-second skip button? I listen to everything except uh, advertisements. Oh, my God. This, of course, the portion of the show where I read my advertisements live uh, <laughs> with you right here on the line. Let me just do that right mm. now. I will read that live with you right here listening to what I say. ESPN.com. ESPN.com. Have you been to ESPN.com? Well, it's the official website of the ESPN channel. It's bringing the worldwide leader to the World Wide Web, and it's loaded with features for true sports nuts. You got news. You got scores. You got game recaps. You got stats. You got team rosters. You got players' weights. And uh, oh, by the way, tennis, anyone? We bet you'd love, love to know who won all the tennis games on the court. Well, just check the net. Use the offer code SHAPS for a free trial. What are you waiting for? www.espn.com. It's da 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 dot com. And I've done it. Thank you for uh, waiting there, Joe. Okay. Um, the only other thing is you, you made, uh, a big, a big fucking list. I did. I, I ranked the top 500 wrestlers in the world of whom I would like to see wrestle a match the most. And there were a bunch of caveats and there were some, a comical amount of errors. Goddamn Mukigana had to compute a list of people I skipped based on 
Observer reporting, and I missed a bunch of big names, and I was a little embarrassed. Not as embarrassed as the number of duplicates in the original list the Cubs fan, thankfully, uh, scrubbed for me. Because I had people repeated. Not did I have one guy repeated three times. I had him in like a hundred slots down from between the first and third times I ranked him. So I apparently had a hard time making up my mind. Uh, if we have time, I will go over this person by person. And let me, we do not have time, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. Great. Let's see who we've got in the prominent funny numbers slots. 69, Averno. <laughs> okay. And, of course, the other funny number. Um, is it Kaiji Tomato? Yep. You say Tomato? <laughs> I'm glad that worked. Well, he is the number when he went to the dentist. 2.30. That was a nice callback. <laughs> you know, when you were uh, reminiscing with Mr. James Kalen on the uh, the NWWO forums in that, uh, that glorious time, uh, do you remember our first interaction? Ooh. <laughs> um, let me turn it to black and white for a flashback sequence. <laughs> but no. I believe. I was probably like, shut up. Shut up, <laughs> dumb... I believe I may have written in 2000 um, perhaps a somewhat whiny post on the, uh, the perceived fates of Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit and how I perceived them to perhaps be feuding over the light heavyweight title sooner rather than later. I believe you told me my ass was half full. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, he got me good. That is the Justin Shapiro half-joke sort of sounds like a joke but isn't that people would grow to love more and more over the next decade and a half and you got it in round one way back when (laughs) 14 years ago well i'm sorry i guess you know what likely deserved (laughs) i was hoping it was like something that got us off on the right foot you know we're on the right foot now that's what matters are you an ass half full kind of guy (laughs) apparently that's what i'm told by you. Welcome everyone to the Justin Chapeau Show here on the Justin Shapiro Network. It is over the top. Hey Mo, What's up? it's me and you. What a show. That was, I don't, I don't use this word lightly on, that was incredible. That was an incredible performance. I thought Joe Gagne was just, he, he really connects with the Justin Shapiro universe like Nobody I've ever seen. The universe loved Joe Gagne. You know, Joe Gagne, you know, we know him as a host, but as a guest, I gotta tell you, he goes over the top. Over the top, nonstop. He's the man. You know, if you get five of your friends to download this show, I swear to God, we'll give you $50. No, wait, we'll give you $100 Joe Gagne merchandise. Right there. Are you serious? 
I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what we offer here on the Justin Shapiro Network. But hey, let's talk about one of the big events of the show. Joe went to Money in the Bank. Man, that was just off the hook. Those guys talking about it. My God, the universe were just going crazy when they talked about the match. It shows his dedication to his craft. He went to the show. He drove there. And, like, you know what gas costs these days? Well, you know, but that's, that just shows the level of podcaster that we're dealing with, with Joe Gagne. I mean, I don't want to say Justin's off his game, but I think Joe is making a play for the number one podcaster in the Justin Shapiro show universe. That was a lofty claim. Like, Matt Feuerstein's just come out there recently with the list them and learn. The universe have been loving that. you got Justin Shapiro, Remnant's House where we've got, like, all wacky characters from Justin's past. Tom Feely's there, and Mean Liam, Justin's cousin Liam, he's he's in there too. They're all in the house, and it's been just wild stuff. And who knows what will happen every week on that. But enough about that, more about the show. As we said, Joe was just fantastic, you know. He really hits the nail on the head when he talks about these matches, and he gives people a feel for the deal. And I think that's why the mm-hmm. universe love him so much. Hey, uh, Amo, before we get on out of here, I believe you had some final thoughts that members of the universe sent in about the show that you can uh, share with people. You mean the tweets? Oh, the tweets. They're coming flowing the through the Facebook and the iPads. And the, I've got some notepads here that some tweets are just coming up on and Man, it's just tweets coming out of every orifice of my body. All right. Well, this tweet comes from, let me bring it up. This one is from Big Pat. Big Pat says, oh, my God, can't believe Gagney, although he spelt it Gagne, can't believe Gagney was at the show. Amazing job, Joe. And that's from Big Pat. What more can you say to that? If you want to join in the conversation, you can hashtag Shapiro Show. Yeah, always, always. And Justin will be back. He will have uh, someone on talking about something. It's going to be amazing. And we'll be here afterwards to talk about everything that happened on it. Until then, we're going to have to get on out of here. So, uh, I can't believe it. It's been an amazing you- night.